Welcome to Inspiring Teachers. I'm your host, Kimberly Burkhart. I'm an educator and mindset and life coach with over 20 years experience in the field. If you want to reignite your passion for teaching, reignite your students' passion for learning, and create a classroom community where you and your students feel content and inspired, then this podcast is for you. Let's ditch those Sunday night blues for you and your students. Hey, teachers, welcome to another episode of the Inspiring Teachers podcast. Today, we're going to talk about communication. So we are going to be delving into some great classroom strategies and um, great teaching methods. But before you can do that, you need to lay the groundwork of a classroom where kids feel safe and feel like they can learn and they can be themselves. So one of the biggest things in life in all of our relationships is communication. So we're going to talk about that today. So I want you to think to yourself, do you think you're a good communicator? I always thought I was. There were some forms of communication I avoided, like the plague. (laughs) You know, those difficult emails, those difficult people. Sometimes it's easier to hide from them. But your classroom is like your family for the day. They spend more time with you than they do their own family sometimes. So it's very important that those hours that they spend with you, they are feeling like there's good communication. So let's dig into this. So there's lots of forms of communication. There's visual, you know, your your facial expressions, eye contact. There's verbal, what you're saying. And you know what? That also means what you're not saying or lack of saying things writing notes, body language, your presence. Are you staying far away from them? Or are you are you coming close to them? Are you moving around the room? Touch, depending on how comfortable the kids are, giving hugs, fist bumps, you know, putting your hand on somebody's shoulder, things like that. Helping, helping is a form of communication. You're showing that you care about them. Gifts, use of your talents, like maybe you're a really good baker and you make them some cookies. Sharing rather than not sharing, and what a good listener you are. So, we're going to touch on a lot of these. Mostly, we're going to talk about listening and verbal and nonverbal. But good interpersonal relationships require good communication, whether you're talking about marriage, your children, your family members, your friends, your students, all relationships require good communication. Now, this doesn't mean just the easy kids. I remember back when I was in school, guys, I hated school. Second and third grade were amazing. I had the best teacher and she looped with us. And she is the only reason why I went to education. Every other year, I have terrible memories of. And you know what in my mind the most when I think about those other years was my relationship with the teacher. I always thought that I was a good kid and I had good things to share and I participated, but I really felt like a lot of the teachers didn't like me. I raised my hand too much. I shared too much. I got too excited over things. Things that I was taught were good, I was almost being shunned for in a way. And many of you might have experienced this and you've heard students talk about this as well. Maybe not so much in the primary grades, but you've probably heard about people talking, um, people talking about teachers having favorites. And 
I don't think it's necessarily that a teacher has a favorite student or favorite group of students. I think teachers are drawn to the kids that are easier to communicate with, the kids who want to learn, the kids who are just easy. So what I've really tried hard to do over my years in education, the easy kids, I don't work on my relationships with them as hard. They are easy. They don't require as much of my attention. And as much as as it's fun to have those relationships with those kids, they've given me like a free pass. Hey, I'm making this easy on you. So you have more time to go work with the other kids. This gave me more chances to really try to connect with the kids who weren't good at communicating or I hadn't built a relationship with yet. So they didn't feel comfortable communicating with me. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about favorites, but you really should in your own time reflect and think, what would my students think? It was interesting when I started teaching sixth grade because the sixth graders would say, oh, so-and-so is your favorite. I'm like, absolutely not. Why would you think that? I don't have favorites. And then I started really paying attention and I realized I had such an easy relationship with that student and the kids were watching me interact with them and they thought that that child was my favorite. So I stopped spending as much time with that student and started really digging into some of the other relationships and trying to build deeper relationships with students who were more reserved. And by the end of the year, the kids were saying, I'm her favorite. No, I'm her favorite. No, I'm her favorite. No, she doesn't have favorites. We're all her favorites. And that was like, okay, mission accomplished. But it's hard. It is hard. In our busy days with how much we have to do and all the stresses of teaching, and in addition to all the stresses of your normal life, we're exhausted. And of course, we are going to be drawn to the students that are easiest to communicate with. So I want to talk about some Let's start with verbal communication. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, it means you want to be a better teacher and you are not a teacher who does this. But we all have bad days and we are human and we get stressed out and this can happen. But I'm going to tell you right now, if your words are ever hateful or violent or vindictive, hasty, careless, bitter, cutting words that are hurting students, You need to take a step back. I really don't think anyone on here would be doing this, but you know what I'm talking about. You've heard it. And absolutely, that's not okay. And you know the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I know that was something that we said when we were kids, like, okay, you know, ignore them. But words hurt. Words cut like a knife. And those scars, those that hurt, that doesn't go away. We can try to move past it and say it doesn't matter, but what you are saying to your students matters. So be very careful what you say, what you say with an earshot of students that you don't think that they hear. You never know. Sometimes they hear you. And a lot of kids, a lot of teachers like to speak in code or, you know, talk around something when there's another adult there, you know, and kind of like wink and like nod over at a student. They're really smart. Many times they know who you're talking about, or they're just assuming you're talking about them. We're going to talk about getting sucked into that. (laughs) 
and how to stay away from the toxic teacher culture of talking about students. Um, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I say that a lot. Be very, very careful, friends. Okay, but I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on that. But let's talk about nonverbal. If you are not interacting with a student because you're avoiding that student because they're hard to communicate with, or you don't really know what to say with them, or you think, well, maybe they just want to be left alone, that says a lot too. If you're giving more attention and more conversation to other students because they're just easy to talk to, other students are going to see that as you avoiding them, non-communication. Watch your facial expressions. So much is said by your face and your eyes, rolling your eyes, your body language. Are you turning and facing your students when they talk to you? Do they feel like they have your attention? If you turn to one kid and hug them and you know put their, your hand on their shoulder, but the next kid, you won't even turn your body or even turn your head to them, that speaks volumes. Guys, I did that. There was those kids who was like, oh, here they come again. And I just wanted them to know, like, you know, read my body language. I don't want you talking to me right now. You need to go do your work. I already told you 20 times what to do. It's so hard to continue to give them grace and redirect them. Many times they're just begging for your attention because they can tell you're not communicating with them the way that you are, their students. And if they come up and ask you something 20 times, maybe they'll get that communication from you. Maybe you'll have a talk with them and ask them how their weekend was. You never know why a student's really coming to you that many times. So be careful of the nonverbal, whether it's just lack of interacting or your body language or your facial, ex facial expressions and what that is saying to kids. Now, it's not only important to put off the hateful and the, the hasty and the careless and the bitter cutting things and the, the actions as well and the lack of communication, but you can't just do nothing. You can't have no communication with the students, with a student. If you avoid them like the plague, they're going to see the same message as if you were being harsh with them. Here's what the hard thing is. You're going to walk into your classroom. You're going to have things have happened at home already, on your drive, on your walk into the building, before the kids even walked in the door. And you have to be the master of your craft, and you have to put all that aside. Take a deep breath, and you have to be charitable. You have to be encouraging, accepting, and you need to listen. So when a student comes up to you after you've had a terrible morning, you have to be able to put that all aside, look them in the eye, and really listen to what they're saying. So let's delve into listening. So I got into a really bad habit, especially with kindergartners and first graders of, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, really? Wow. Oh, that's really cool. I wasn't listening to what they were saying. And they knew I wasn't listening to what they were saying. Well, most of them. <laughs> there were still some that totally bought that. It's so hard. We have so much to do and so many precious souls to pay attention to. And it's so easy to get caught up in, 
I have to get this done. We have to get this done. I need to work on this. I gave you something to do so I could get this done. It is really hard to give them your undivided attention. But what I want you to consider is this. If you build good relationships with good communication and good listening, you're going to have students that feel much more comfortable in your classroom. And then those systems that you set up and have in place and you being the guide on the side, they're going to be content and they're going to get their work done knowing, hey, if we work hard right now and do this, and this is exciting, later I'll get to have a moment with my teacher. And actually when you're a guide on the side and you can be bopping around the room or meeting with small groups, you have much more opportunities to talk with your students and they see that oh, I get to go to her table later and then I'll tell her the story I wanted to tell her. So when I talk about these things with listening, I know your mind's going to go to, but I need to teach, but I need to get my things done, but we need to get this done. We need to get here. We need to get there. You have to find a balance and it's hard. And let make sure the students understand that. You will listen, but there's times where, okay, now listen, we have to leave in one minute. So I, does your, do you have enough time to tell me what you're going to tell me in a minute or does this need to wait? Or is this something really important that, you know, you need to speak with me instead of going to special or meet with me before you go into lunch or before you go out for recess? Um, many times if a kid knows that you're like, don't want to listen to them or you're too busy or in a rush, they don't want to tell you anymore. And then they have a problem that isn't getting taken care of and it's going to go escalate. So think about that. Think about how listening now can save trouble in the future. What benefit can your listening have that's going to stop a domino effect from happening? There will be the kids who will just take advantage of this and eat up any second that you have to listen and you have to handle them accordingly. So tip number one for listening. Don't answer before you've listened. Really listen to them. I was terrible at this in my marriage, in my business, in teaching with my own children. I was always in a hurry. So I was like, well, I think I figured it out. I was already thinking in my head while they were talking. And I was answering before they had told me everything. What I've learned through my mindset coaching is that we really need to listen and ask questions. Most of the time, what you're going to get is a rehearsed story, a shortened down, watered down story. They've really thought about how on earth am I going to tell them this? And you're getting random pieces or not the whole thing. Now, this can be like a social problem or a behavior problem, but this could also be how they feel about academics. So really listen and dig deeper. Well, What was happening when you felt like that? When you feel like that, what does that make you do? Just dig deeper. Take time to really listen to what they're saying, but also ask more questions so you can get more information. Don't interrupt them while they're talking. Let them get it out. Just listen. It doesn't mean that you're acknowledging that they're right or what they did is okay. You're just listening to the whole story of what they have to tell you. And give them your undivided attention. Don't be typing on your computer 
or checking your phone or looking at the clock or rearranging furniture, cleaning up the room while you're listening to them. Now, if it's that kid that's telling you a story for the 20th time that day, you'd be like, I'm listening, but I have a lot of things to do. So go ahead and tell me your story while I, while I clean this up. There's times for that. But if it's something serious that a child really wants to tell you about something that's happening at home, something they're proud of, something they're worried about, something that's happening socially, give them your undivided attention. And it's hard, but try really hard to do that. And don't fake your interest. Don't pretend you're listening and not really, because you're going to miss so much. And again, you'd be able to thwart some future problems if you could listen and handle it right away. And you might be thinking still, Kim, I do not have time for this. But this is just like setting up systems in the beginning of the year. Lay that groundwork for communication early. You will develop an atmosphere where students feel like they can communicate with you. They feel like you care about them. And that has a better domino effect. That has the effect that that student feels comfortable learning in your classroom. That student will take more risks. That student will buy in to your systems. That student will be like, my teacher is a leader. I, I, I respect and admire my teacher. My teacher respects me. My teacher listens to me. My teacher communicates with me. My teacher walks around the room and I can just feel her presence when she walks behind me rather than her staying at her desk. My teacher knows when I'm struggling and will just come and put a hand on me and not even say anything. And that just makes me feel better. Like she knows or he knows what I'm going through. My teacher, instead of calling me out in front of everyone, will give me that look with her eyes. And I know what that look means. And I can get back on track without the rest of the class knowing what's going on. My teacher saw that I was sad or upset and made a funny face at me to make me laugh and like, break me out of it, snap me out of it. My teacher's body language tells me that he really cares about me. And he really, like I, I have, he has, I have all of his attention. My teacher's so busy, but she went home and made cookies for all of us because she's the best baker. She makes the best cookies. That's not me, by the way. (laughs) My teacher loves to share about her family life. I feel like I'm part of her family. I love hearing about her dogs and her kids and her husband. And then she lets me share about my family. I feel like we know each other so well. Do you see where I'm going with this? That creates a family. It's just like a home. A home needs good communication. A home needs to feel safe. People need to feel safe and secure and that their needs are met. And that makes home a wonderful place. Now, you might not even have that at home. Think about how that feels or if you've ever experienced that as a child in your home. But I also want you to think about these kids. Even if your home, you're safe, you're secure and your needs are met, many of these kids don't have that. Now, maybe their parents buy them everything that money can buy, but maybe they don't have communication at home. Maybe they don't have affection or love or communication. Their parents don't listen to them. 
Maybe they've been handed a device since they were one year old because the parents don't want to deal with them. Many of these kids come into your classroom craving communication, craving your acceptance, and craving your love. And you know, your job is hard. You have so many hats to wear. You don't get paid enough for it, and you don't have enough time to plan for it. And then you take it all home, the things you didn't get finished. If it's not in your teacher bag, it's heavy on your heart and in your mind. But the more you can give them and model to them a safe, nurturing place in the classroom, the more those students are going to work so hard for you. And then they're going to work hard and they're going to see their successes. And it snowballs. It's not a domino effect. It's a snowball effect. Those kids are going to gain so much confidence in themselves and a love for learning and a love to be in your classroom that it's going to help even with the social issues and the behavior issues. It's even going to help you with the parent issues, which are a whole nother episode as well. If you don't have good communication in your classroom, issues are going to remain unclarified. Wrong ideas go uncorrected. Conflicts and misunderstandings are unresolved. Confusion and disorder occur. There's no development of of deep bonding and relationship building. Boredom happens, discontentment, frustration. Interpersonal problems will pile up and the, the barriers between you and your students and between students and students and parents and you are going to become higher and wider. And they're going to be tempted to look for something more exciting. What can I do in class that's more exciting than what's going on. And you don't really get to know each other. What a missed opportunity. There's been years where the year finished up and I looked back and I was like, hmm, there was that one kid or those two kids and I just, I didn't build that bond with them. What went wrong? And sometimes there's so much other things going on that you might never be able to make the bond that you wanted to. But if you did your best with communicating with them and trying to make them feel like they were a valued member of your classroom family, you did more than you think you did. That's going to carry on. They're going to remember that and they're going to build from there. But what can happen when we do have good communication? The possibilities are endless. So it's going to be hard. Give yourself some grace. You're not going to be perfect at it every day. Model to the kids what good communication looks like and feels like. And when you do communication wrong, show them what it looks like to ask for forgiveness and to be honest. And you'll be amazed at how the kids will start following your lead and they will take it to the playground and they will take it to the cafeteria and they will take it to their specials and in the hallways and they might even take it home. What an amazing impact that can have. So friends, before we dive any deeper into any of the cool things we're going to do throughout this podcast and over on my um, Facebook uh, page, uh, Teachers Inspiring Teachers, make sure you get there. And you can also find me on Instagram. Um, It's also Teachers Inspiring Teachers. Um, There's going to be some really cool things launching soon. 
But first, we need to lay this groundwork of creating a classroom environment where you are a leader, not a manager. You are a good communicator, and you are creating a space where students feel safe to learn, and they're all in. They are on your team, and you guys are going to rock this school year together. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Head on over to Facebook or Instagram and let me know what you think. That wraps up today's episode. Remember, if you love today's show, I'd love for you to give a review, give it a like and share it with someone who needs it. If you want to learn more, you can follow me on Facebook, Teachers Inspiring Teachers, and I will have more info coming soon with a amazing website and some courses that you can take. I can't wait to share it with you all. Thanks for joining me.